Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's begin with prayer. Father, again, we we don't take lightly coming to your word this morning, coming to your book. And we know, Lord, that we need the divine teacher. We need the Holy Spirit this morning. And so, Lord, we pray, send him to teach us, to bring all things to our remembrance that we might see Jesus, we pray in his precious name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 40 now, and please follow along here as I begin here, Genesis chapter 40, verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there was all manner of baked meats, for Pharaoh and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now going on to verse 1 of chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean flesh, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh woke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Okay, now, in our last study, we left Joseph here. He's just having interpreted, he just finished interpreted the the dream of the chief butler. In verse 16, we saw that the chief butler was not the only person who was intently listening to what Joseph was saying in the interpretation because it says there in verse 16, and the chief baker saw that the interpretations were good when he saw that. So this really brings the scene to crystallize for us that we see that the chief baker 
is just more than casually interested in this interpretation. So in other words, while Joseph, he's sitting there and he's telling the chief butler what's going to happen, he's giving the interpretation that we can see the chief baker is listening over so very carefully to see what it meant. And the chief baker is thinking to myself, well, our dreams are so similar. I mean, after all, they happen on the same night and they've got this three prominent number and it's involved. They've got to have the same meaning. That's what he's thinking. And so he's thinking, now, I just can't take any more sadness in my life. I mean, I'm filled up. And so if the chief butler gets a bad interpretation of his dream, I'm not going to tell my dream. He's thinking, you know, I'm not going to tell my dream until after I hear what the interpretation of it is good. And so when the chief baker now hears that the chief butler's dream meant that the chief butler's going to be released and restored, then the chief baker is so excited and he's understood, boy, this probably means I'm going to be released and restored. And so his excitement is seen in verse 16 when it says, and he said unto Joseph, I also, that's a very important word, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three, you know, uh, white baskets on my head. See, the way verse 16 is reading, we can imagine the chief butler, he just jumps up because he doesn't want to get miss out. And it's almost like the chief baker has pushed the chief butler out of the way. Not that anyone in the Middle East would cut in line or push another person out of the way, right? Right, Irene? <laughs> used to drive you crazy at the bank when you'd be calmly standing in line and people would cut in front of you, right? In Israel, well, well. Okay, so we can see in verse 16 that the chief baker is trying to guide Joseph. He's trying to, I want the same interpretation of that I'm gonna be released from prison. And, and, and so he's emphasizing parts of his dream that were the same. And we can see that in the word also when he says, you know, I also was in my dream just like him, you know? And the chief baker is guiding Joseph to give the same promise. He wants this promise of freedom. And in essence, he's saying, you know, Joseph, I want you to see this now. I was in my dream, right? Just like the, just like my friend. And look, Joseph, you know, I had three, the number three also, three baskets. He had three branches, I have three baskets. And so he's saying, Joseph, did you get that? Did you get this three part? Did you get this part that I was in? And the chief, so he's coaxing him, and we can just feel the pressure with all this that Joseph is under. And the chief baker, all he wants is this promise. Just tell me already that I'm going to be released from this horrible prison. Give me the same interpretation. So with that in, this, in the scene, with that picture there, we can just imagine how shocked the chief baker is to hear that history means that in three days he's going to be decapitated. <laughs> and his body is going to be eaten by birds. And he was so sure the chief baker was so sure that he was going to have an also outcome. And so he was really an also assumed person. He also assumed that he was, was going to be the same. When we look at this with the chief baker and his also assumed posture here, his position, it's such a picture of a very large group of people today who are just like the chief baker. They're just like him. I mean, this large group of people today are, all, are the also assumed people, just like the chief baker was an also assumed person. And so this large group of people today, this also assumed group of people, they assume that they're going to be welcomed into heaven 
because they've done so many wonderful works in their lives. And they feel like, you know, we don't need all that except Jesus stuff. We don't need that. I mean, that's for the Jesus people. And well, we are the also assumed people. They feel they don't need all this confess you're a sinner stuff. I mean, that, those are, that stuff's for murderers and rapists who are in prison. That's where they, they need, they're the sinners. And they figure that just because they have lived such good lives and they've got, and they've filled with such good works, that the church is going to also get to heaven as well. Just like the chief baker, he felt that since his dream was so similar, that surely he would just be an also person that was going to be freed and restored. But to his shock, he found out that his also assumption was dead wrong, literally, dead wrong. Anyway, and this is what this large group of people will find out, that there will be this shock, like with the chief baker, that their also assumption was wrong, was wrong. And the Lord described this. He described this whole scene of this large group of people with the, with, with the word many. He called them many. He said many. And he described them in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. In Matthew 7, 21, he gives the, it, the context there. Is he's, first of all, it's, it's a sermon on the mount. He's talking to many, many people. And he says to them, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. So we're talking about people who call him Lord. Lord, Lord, shall not shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then he says, many, and that's how he describes them. This is a large group of people. Many will come to me in that day and say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Double emphasis, Lord, Lord. They're calling him Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, you that work iniquity. How could he call their many wonderful works iniquity? See, there, and then he goes on and says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. See, that's important. Hear and do, and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended upon, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth, they hear. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, they don't follow through, shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. The fall of it, okay. So, this group is the also assumed group, just like the chief baker. They assume that they're gonna go to heaven by another way, by another way, which they assume will be open to them. That other way is described by King Solomon when he said, in Proverbs 14.12, Proverbs 14.12, Solomon says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This way that Solomon is talking about is what the people described, the Lord said in Matthew 7.22, they prophesied 
in thy name. In thy name they cast out devils. In thy name they've done many wonderful works. So the other way was the, was the way of many wonderful works, and it seemed perfectly right to them. It seemed perfectly right. As a matter of fact, you could actually restate Proverbs 14, 12. You could put the word perfectly in there. And you could say, there is a way which seemeth perfectly right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The fact is, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you think. They think it's perfectly right, but they're wrong. Because they think it would be perfectly right for them to be also admitted to heaven, just like the chief baker thought that he would also be released and restored. But the way of that large group of also assumed people was the way of death, was the way of death. And that's the reason that also assumed group of people were wrong and to their shock, they're cast into hell because they didn't hear his sayings and do them. They heard them, but they didn't do them. They heard them, but they didn't do them. What are we talking about? What sayings are we talking about that they need to hear and do? Well, many places where the Lord spoke these kind of things, but one of them in particular is in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, the Lord is very specific. And this maybe is the most important, important of his sayings to hear and do. When he said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now, what the Lord Jesus said in that, in those sayings there, are three very important commands to obey. The first one, number one, is come unto me. That means to come to him for life to come to him for the great exchange, the exchange of my sins for his forgiveness, the exchange of my death for his life, and so forth. And he said that in John 5.40 when he was speaking to those who were opposing him in John 5.40, and he said, you will not come unto me that you might have life. You will not come to me that you might have life. Coming to him is to receive life. He said that in John 14.6 where he said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So come unto me is a salvation command. That's the first command, salvation command, come unto me. But that's not all, because his next command is, take my yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you. That means a, a yoke is what you do work, what the ox does work with. So it's symbolized to work. That means leave your yoke behind of what you want to do in life and take his yoke of what he wants you to do in life. In other words, take my yoke upon you is a statement of submit to his authority. Submit to his authority. In an, I want you to catch this now, in an open life of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, a public life, an open life of obedience. He said in Luke 6.46, Luke 6.46, he asked them this, why call ye me Lord, Lord? Yeah, and he said those two words. It's a frightening, because that's what he said about the many who are gonna call him Lord, Lord. He said, again, let me go back, Luke 6.46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? 
So take my yoke upon you is an obedience command. It's to obey him. But then there is a third part of what he's saying, so what he said, and the third part is learn of me, learn of me. That means to make the Lord our life pursuit, to make him, to make him as the hymn says, the best thought by day or night, to make him the best thought, to fill all our vision with him, to make his presence our highest priority, to make him our first love, our first love. You know, this is, this is what the Shema is all about in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then in Deuteronomy 6, 5, Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. See, learn of me is a love command. It's a love command, just like Deuteronomy 6, 5. Learn of me is a life focus that starts and never ends. It never ends throughout all eternity. When David knew, when King David knew that Solomon, you know, was gonna succeed him as king and he, he was gonna pass on the, the kingdom to him, David sat down with Solomon and he wanted to pass to him the most valuable guidance that he could give to him as a father to a son. And it's so precious because it's recorded for us in 1 Chronicles 28.9, 1 Chronicles 28.9, when it says, where, this is what David said to his son. He said, and thou, Solomon, my son. Boy, those are kind of tender words. So, didn't just say, thou, my son, but thou, Solomon, my son. And then he goes on and he says, know thou the God of thy father. Serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. You know, it was so remarkable how David, you know, it put it to his son when he said, and thou Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. What he was saying to Solomon was, he was saying to Solomon, Solomon, I've told you all about God. You know about God. You've been raised in a godly home. You know the Bible forwards and backwards. That's not what I'm saying here. But there's one thing that I'm very concerned about, Solomon, and that is that you know right now all about the God of your father, but you don't actually know him yourself. You, know, you don't know him yourself, the God of your father. You have to establish your own relationship with him. See, that's what he was saying. When David was saying, know thou the God of thy father, he was saying to Solomon, he should start a practice that will never end of getting to know God, getting to know God. See, when David says, know thou the God of thy father, he was saying to obey what Jehovah Jesus says, learn of me, learn of me. Actually, this verse was very important for me personally. It was very challenged because on June 17th, 1973, quite a few years ago, <laughs> it was quite an eventful day. It was actually Father's Day. And Cheryl and I were sitting right where Jim is sitting right now, in that pew right there. Weren't the same pews, wasn't the same ceiling, but we were there, <laughs> okay, sitting right there. We came to church in the morning, and um, actually, Cheryl's bag of waters broke that morning 
before he came to church. I can't remember who she was speaking to. It might have been Joanne Taylor. But anyway, she said, you know, this water came out. She goes, oh, she says, you got to go right to the hospital. (laughs) And she said, oh, no, I can't do that. Tom's graduating this afternoon. (laughs) So we went from church here to UCSD for my graduation. And it was eventful because Dr. Harold Urey was from the Urey Hall up there. He was still alive. He was the developers of of the atom bomb. And anyway, he gave the commencement speech and it was, it was, it was momentous. I mean, I reached out my hand and Dr. Yuri gave me my diploma. It was a big day. And then we all drove down to Mercy Hospital. And a few hours later, I reached out my hand again and Dr. McCandless gave me my firstborn son, David. So that was quite a reception day. <laughs> and later on that day, I thought to myself, well, you know, I reached out my hand, I got my diploma, and I reached out my other hand, I got my son, and I thought, I got to use my diploma to get a job to take care of the needs of my son. You know, that was the day. And this verse came to mind. Know thou the God of thy father. It impressed me. It impressed me that, you know, more than a diploma, more than a job, that what I really need to meet the needs of my son, who would later become my sons, was to encourage them to know God himself. As King David, he looked at his we- all of his wealth, he looked at all of his power, and I don't know if he looked at all of his wives, but he had a lot of wives. But anyway, he could say, what's the best that I can pass on to my son? Wealth, power, position? No. He said, the best that I can pass on to my son is the knowledge of God and the personal knowledge of God, that he knows God himself. To not follow the first command, which is a salvation command, come unto me, that's to not be saved. That's to be cast into hell. To follow the first salvation command, come unto me, and not follow the second command of take my yoke upon you, that's to get to heaven with nothing. That's to, that's to not to give anything to the Savior. That's to, as it says in Corinthians, to be saved so as by fire. Nothing is to suffer loss of re- rewards and is to be ashamed. To follow the first command, which is to come unto me, the salvation command, to follow the second obedience command, which is take my yoke upon you, and not to follow the love, the Lord command of learn of me, that's to be a joyless, duty-bound Christian who has no strength, who's feeling exhausted with the constant do, do, do for the Lord without the love, love, love of the Lord. But to follow the first salvation command of come unto me and the second obedience command of take my yoke upon you and the third love the Lord command of learn of me, that's to be a joyful, energetic Christian with what Nehemiah calls in Nehemiah 8.10, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so he gives this invitation, this Matthew 8, 11, 28 through 29, he gives this invitation to all, He says, it's all. That's what he says. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Or in other words, all you who know that you are exhausted, miserable. So to do these three commands, come unto me, take my yoke, learn of me, that's to receive two rests of the soul. The first is, that come unto me is to receive the eternal rest for the soul. You know, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laban, I will give you rest. That's eternal rest for the soul, which is, which is heaven. 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.